We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. John Van Brassen drops back. Throws an arching pass upfield. Benji Town Fields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. Sees a hole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still to feet. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, your host today for our pregame. Rams Packers a little bit later on today. Wanted to get out this podcast a little bit earlier, but life happens and when life happens, you just try and get it out when you can. So, I have John Meerding from Power Sleep today to preview the game with us. Before we get to him, I just want to go ahead and talk to you about our sponsors. Too much of anything is bad, but too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to the new year for an expanded NFL playoffs, the BCS Championship Games, return of the NBA, the NHL. This is truly a great month to be a sports fan. So, I always tell people to head on over to my bookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. We here at Rams Talk Radio don't use my bookie because some corporate overlord told us to. 
We use them because they are the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% discount bonus up to a thousand bucks when you sign up and they'll keep the good times rolling giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code RAMSTALK and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Here to my bookie today and start off the year 2021 on the right foot. This year, bet with the best. My bookie. And finally, also, we here at Blue Wire have a program as well we want to quickly tell you about, and that is Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the very next level. And if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of our program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue, with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And they got lots of them, lots of tricks. On top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all those places. And the best part is only 15 bucks a month. Same rate as any other hosting site would charge you, just the initial setup. And also I can tell you this, we recently got our logo redone. I gotta tell you, it's looking good. It's looking good. Mike hasn't seen it yet, he's about to. But he'll like it, I promise. So whether you're starting from scratch or have a new existing show that you wanna grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. Apply at bwhustle.com forward slash join and check out our description box for the episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. All right, here we go. John Meerding from the Power Sweep. All right, folks, here's John Meerding from the Power Sweep Packers podcast. He's also a writer there. One of my favorite guests. Always has good stuff to say. Last time we heard a little clip from him, it was about Clay Matthews and. You know, he was pretty on, pretty right there. Clay Matthews was what we thought he was, and they were right for the Rams in that year, but notice he's not back this year. John, how you doing? I'm doing really well. It's a little bit snowy here in northwest Ohio, but I have no complaints. So northwest Ohio, Packers nation just goes everywhere. Everywhere, Packers, all over the place. The Packers, the Steelers, the Browns, they just seem to be all over the place. Never avoid it. I was talking with a Packers fan from Serbia earlier today, so that gives you a little little idea of the reach. Good Lord. Good Lord. So, in Green Bay on Saturday, you're looking at like 32 to 35 degrees-ish. It's not your typical January weather in that respect. We usually would think it's going to be like, you know, 10 below zero and those old school Packers games like that. The 1967 playoff game with the Rams. The Rams are freezing their heads off. Well, in this respect, how much of an advantage is this home field still for the Packers? Honestly, if, uh, if you are any kind of athlete, if you like being outside at all, it's not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, the only concern if I was a Rams fan would be about Jared Goff gripping the ball. That's something that's hard to get used to uh, playing outside in the cold because everything is different. If, if you have grown up or spent any amount of time in, in cold weather and, and played sports outside, the, the ball turns into a rock once you get around 35 degrees or below. So it's going to feel a little bit different, but for everybody, anybody other than somebody who has to handle the ball regularly, I wouldn't think it's actually going to be too big of a deal. And once you get out there and get moving around 32 to 35 degrees, unless there's wind, which it looks like there's not going to be, it's not going to bother you all that much. What about the fans? What's what's the regulation right now for COVID for fans out there? How many how many can make the game? 
So they have actually opened it up for the first time this season. The original projection was going to be around 6,000 season ticket holders. Now it seems like it's going to be between eight and 9,000 actually in the stadium. So it's a little bit over 10% of Lambeau Field capacity, but I expect it's going to be pretty loud. Even at 10% capacity? Yeah, even at 10% capacity. And that's partly because of the, the construction changes that they've made at, at Lambeau Field. So since the Rams were last in Wisconsin... Uh, they they have boxed in the south end zone there, so they've they've added a new expansion to the south end zone, and uh, that actually does contribute to a, a, a lot more volume inside Lambeau Field. It keeps a lot more of the sound in the bowl. Traditionally, Lambeau is not that loud of a stadium just because of the, how it's built, but now it's a little bit louder than it used to be. Okay, well, and, and of course, I'm not sure how loud it will be with nine thousand people there, but I mean, it's been a kind of a weird year for everybody, anyways. Who knows how it really works out? And, but we do know the Packers are the number one seed. They seem to emerge as the year went on. They seem to get better and better. Early in the year, they, I got to be honest with you, they didn't impress me at all. I mean, I, they, they didn't sell me as a team that I thought was going to be NFC champion material. But they really came on late. Defense got better. How do you evaluate this Packers team? I think they're, they're pretty much what people think they are from the outside. They're, they're mostly offense. I think that's, that's not a mystery to anybody. Uh, it runs through Aaron Rodgers on offense. He makes the whole show go. As much as people like to talk about uh, they're a run-based team now, uh, they're based around the, the wide zone run with the, the Shanahan tree coach and in Matt LaFleur, his connections to Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. There is some, some of that in the offense, but Aaron Rodgers is what makes it go. He didn't play as well last year as he played this year. The offense wasn't as good last year as it was this year. I think it's as simple as that. Uh, the defense does have its weaknesses. Uh, they've played better of late. Part of that is because they've played worse quarterbacks down the stretch. But right before the Packers played the Philadelphia Eagles uh, towards the last month of the season or so, a couple of the defensive leaders on the Packers had a sit-down meeting with Mike Pettin, their defensive coordinator, and kind of had a come-to-Jesus moment between the two of them and said, look, we're not doing things that are playing to our strength. We're playing a lot more zone than we probably should, given that we have cornerbacks who are really good in man-to-man, like Jair Alexander. You need to turn us more loose on blitzes. You need to let us get after the quarterback a little bit more. And since then, they've played better on defense. I wouldn't go so far as to say the defense is a strength, but they've been able to to play a little bit better, play more to the level that I think they're capable of playing than they they did in the early parts of the season. But to your point, I understand not being impressed with the Packers from an, from an outside perspective. A lot of Packers fans and a lot of people that cover the Packers struggled with this team for quite a while. Um, there was legitimate concern near the middle portion of the season, and they've, they've kind of allayed some of that, but, but you never know. Anything can happen. Well, you have this Ram team coming in with a quarterback who's been hurt, who has, has up and downs this year, and how well does this Rams offense match up with the Packers defense? I think that if the Rams can run well, they're going to match up really well with the Packers' defense. Unfortunately, if you're a Rams fan, the Packers' defense has played a lot better against the run down the stretch. They held Derrick Henry to 98 yards. They pretty much took the Bears out of the game by preventing them from running and forcing Mitchell Trubisky to play quarterback, which they have openly said has been their goal for about two years now. They just want to have Mitchell Trubisky try to be an NFL-caliber quarterback, and it's worked out pretty well. Um I think if the Rams can run well, though, there is a chance to to stay in this game and win it. If they can get around the Packers loading up against the run, if they can start to attack the more intermediate to deep parts of the field, 
it can all open up for you. It, it's kind of going to be up to the Packers to set the tone with what they're going to allow uh, and see if the, the Rams are going to be able to take advantage. What about this Packers offense against the Rams defense? That's been what we've been hearing all week. Number one offense versus number one scoring defense. Where does it work for the Rams and Packers here? What kind of matchup do you expect? So I think the Rams, again, match up pretty well with the Packers. But if the Packers can take advantage of where the Rams, maybe not are weak, but uh, maybe move things around a little bit to, to scheme open some weaknesses, they might be able to, to make a little hay. Uh, if they play Devontae Adams a little bit more out of the slot, if they move him around a little bit more than they have traditionally, there's, uh, there's some opportunities for him there. Uh, Robert Tunyon, the big tight end, can take advantage of matchups. He's a great complementary piece to Adams with his athleticism. He, he tends to kind of be a forgotten man, but he can make people pay and has this year. And then there's always Aaron Jones, who is more than capable of making pay in the, people pay in the run game. Where I am concerned, though, is the offensive line. And I'd be concerned about this uh, no matter what the status of the line is. But there's some big question marks up front for the Packers. Uh, as you probably know, David Bakhtiari tore his mm-hmm. ACL right before the last game of the season. And you are never going to replace him. And to try to replace him, they have moved starting right guard Billy Turner over to left tackle. They've bumped Lucas Patrick, a backup guard, in at right guard and uh, have kind of gone from there. They tried to sign Jared Veld here this week to, to kind of give them a little bit more tackle depth, uh, but that didn't work. He tested positive for COVID on Tuesday, and uh, he is going to be out for this game at least. If the Packers will win, it's still a mystery if he'd be able to play, play beyond this. So there is some, some reshuffling on the offensive line happening even as we speak now, and I think there's, there's reason to be concerned if you are a Packers fan there. That's where I would start attacking if I was the Rams. How did this offensive line perform last weekend? They did pretty well. Not last weekend, but the yeah, weekend yeah. prior. They, they did pretty mm-hmm. well. And they, they went with the lineup that they did near the middle portion of the season uh, when David Bakhtiari was out with a, with a chest injury. Uh, they moved Billy Turner to left tackle. They had Lucas Patrick playing at guard. And that did pretty well over the course of, the, of that, that run. They didn't play anybody to the caliber of the Rams defense during that run, though. So that is that is a key consideration here. And it was rough at times in Week 17 with Billy Turner trying to shut down Khalil Mack. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, if, the, if the Rams can attack Billy Turner on the left side, who knows what could happen. Uh, if things start going poorly for the Packers and they have to throw... That makes it even worse. Um, so I think there is a, there is a path to, the, to victory for the Rams there. And what's interesting for us, too, is I don't even think the fans knew how good this Rams defensive line could be. Um, usually, it's in the past, it's been Aaron Donald kind of carrying everything. But this year, he's done a lot to kind of solidify the whole defense alongside Jalen Ramsey. But we didn't really, it kind of came, kind of came on, on the back end. Like, you didn't notice it, but Michael Brocker's file after all these years has become much more well-rounded. He's been a better pass rusher this year. You have Sebastian Joseph Day and Morgan Fox, who did outstanding jobs when Don was out last week, and no one saw that coming. And all of a sudden you realize that this, is a, this defensive line is much more than just Aaron Donald. And so when you're, when you're talking about the offensive line for the Packers, I'm just wondering, though this is the best team we've probably faced this year, I'm wondering how this matchup works out front. I'm wondering, you know, what kind of pressure the Rams can create against offensive line with their left tackle out. But I also also know one thing. We've only had, I think, one or two holding calls 
for Aaron Donald this year, which is maniacal, by the way. He's held in almost every play. And a team like Green Bay can get along get with a lot of that too. Yeah, they do. Um, and that's been actually a point of emphasis in the NFL this year is not calling holding. And look, if they're not going to call it, you might as well do it. And it has worked out wonderfully well for the Packers this year. I will also point out, um, since he's playing for the Rams now, Leonard Floyd, uh, a longtime NFC North rival for the Packers uh, with the Chicago Bears. Uh, of his multi-sack games, two or more uh, in his career, uh, three of them came against the Packers. And that includes their great left tackle, David Bakhtiari, who, again, is not going to be playing. So I, I think there's a good... Good reason to be a little bit concerned about the the Rams up front working against the Packers, especially at the tackles with Rick Wagner and uh, and Billy Wagner there or Billy Turner there. Now you mentioned a lot trying to use Adams in the in the slot, trying your tight ends in there involved as well. That seems to be the play. That seems to be the way to go. The Rams do a good job of masking those linebackers who are. If there's a weakness in that unit, it is the linebackers. How well have the Packers used their tight ends this year. I mean, yeah, we haven't seen them all year. Uh, well, I guess not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, Robert Tunyon tied the franchise record for tight end touchdowns this year with 11. So they've mm-hmm. used their tight ends pretty well. But it's really a, it's, it's a multiple attack uh, from tight ends. So Matt LaFleur uses them in unusual ways. You've got Mercedes Lewis, who everybody – is quick to point out is the traditional Y tight end. So mm-hmm. he lines up in line, he blocks on the line, and he will catch passes occasionally. Robert Tunyon is the more modern tight end. He will line up out wide, he will line up in the slot, he will line up on the line, and he does a pretty good job in every aspect of those games. And he's a good athlete, a really smart player, former college quarterback, um, plays well all over the field. And then you've got kind of the H-back types. Uh, Jay Sternberger, if he plays, he's been kind of on the bubble of the roster. Uh, and then Dominique Daphne, another Iowa State or uh, Indiana State tight end. Uh, Robert Tunyon went there as well. He kind of plays that quasi fullback, quasi tight end role. Matt Lafleur loves to use tight ends, and he's probably going to use a lot of them uh, on Saturday. How does Devontae Adams match up with Jalen Ramsey? It's it's going to be a heck of a matchup. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I, I love his length. That's the thing that jumps out to me, and. David or Devonte Adams makes it a point to avoid letting people touch him. His release off the line of scrimmage is the strongest part of his game. So it's kind of strength versus strength there. It's the thing I am most excited to watch. And I'm most interested to watch to see if the Packers just want to let him go against Ramsey or try to move him around and let him work against other people. Uh, it's a big schematic question and it's a big entertainment question. I don't know who has the advantage there, uh, but it's going to be a, a heck of a thing to watch. And one thing about advantage is one thing about Matt LaFleur versus Sean McVay. How do you see this coaching tree matchup between these two guys? It's a lot of fun, and I think it, it just confirms that if you are making a coaching hire in 2021, you got to get somebody from the Shanahan tree, somebody who can run that offense. It's the most quarterback-friendly system in the league right now. It makes things easy for quarterbacks. And just look, I mean, you can look and see what it's done for Jared Goff. It's turned him from a guy who was facing a lot of questions in his career uh, to a guy who is, you know, at least no worse than a middle-of-the-pack quarterback and occasionally a very good one. It's taken Aaron Rodgers from a guy that people were wondering if he still had it to a guy who's uh, probably the presumptive MVP candidate. It's just validation, I think, at this point. I don't know if I read too much into the this guy is going to know that about the other guy type stuff, but it 
it's living proof that this is what you got to do to compete in the NFL today. Now, talking about Aaron Rodgers, the, I do wonder, you mentioned how much better he's been this year. What was the problem last year, and how did that get resolved for him? I think the big problem was that they were trying to run 60 to 70% of the Lafleur offense and 30 to 40% of the McCarthy offense. I think it makes sense if you if you think about why they would try to do that. Just bring things along slowly. Okay, we're implementing this new system. Let's have some things that Aaron is comfortable with that he can just fall back on, and we're going to do those things. Unfortunately, the things that he fell back on were holding onto the ball too long, uh, just trying to win one-on-one matchups all the time, playing hero ball, in short, trying to do it all himself. This year, uh, he's really embraced the totality of the offense. He's comfortable in play action. He's comfortable on bootlegs. He's comfortable checking the ball down, which was never something he was great at doing before. He he always wanted to go deep or make a big play on every single play. He's just playing within himself and within the offense. And I think that dates back to this offseason. As weird as it was, the Packers really, I think, benefited from being in the classroom 100% of the time in the offseason. You couldn't do anything but have Zoom calls and talk about the offense. And I think that really helped everybody get on the same page philosophically, and it's playing out on the field. Now, how has the entire roster adjusted to that? I mean, it will look obvious that they're much better this year, but how they really adjusted to him, how they adjusted to Matt LaFleur as the head coach? I think it's been a real breath of fresh air, and that sounds like a cliche, but it's what the, what the Packers needed. Mike McCarthy, I, I am probably a bigger Mike McCarthy defender than most. I think that. A lot of the issues down the stretch with the Packers were not necessarily his fault. They made some defensible decisions with the roster that just didn't work out. Letting certain guys go, not pursuing other guys, a couple of draft picks in there just didn't work out. And there's only so much that you can lay on McCarthy there. But what you can't deny is that things got pretty stale there towards the end. The 2018 Packers team was just an absolute zombie of a football team. And by the time Mike McCarthy was fired, it was almost like a mercy killing at that point. He had very clearly lost the locker room. He had very clearly just let cobwebs and bad habits build up. And Lafleur has been able to do away with a lot of those things. Now, it helps perception-wise at every level of the organization that he's been 26-6 and over two years. But it seems like everybody's having fun. They are a more, it seems, player-focused organization than they were in the the past uh, with Ted Thompson. Uh, the general manager, former general manager in charge. They were very kind of staid, uh, very conservative organization. Now other parts of the team are finding their voice. The head coach uh, has really been able to speak up a lot, LaFleur. And uh, Packers president Mark Murphy has taken a more active role too. And and really the entire franchise is, seems brighter and more alive than it did down the stretch with McCarthy. That's It's a huge difference. So this is just off top, but now I'm curious. What did you make of McCarthy's first year in Dallas? Uh, it was, I, I would say, disappointing, but not surprising. Uh, in the in the Packers circles that I run with um, online, it, it seemed like the Packers were, or excuse me, the Cowboys were maybe a little bit too highly favored. It seemed like they were positioned for a, a bounce back from the the Jason Garrett era, but a lot of the old McCarthy stuff started to creep in almost immediately. He hired a bunch of guys that he was familiar with from his time in Green Bay. 
Uh, he gave up calling plays, which was one of his big strengths uh, historically in Green Bay, maybe not towards the end, but historically designing game plans and calling plays was what he did. There were there were some concerns there from the get go. And uh, those those kind of all played out and it didn't help that he had quarterback issues on top of quarterback issues. Um, not at all surprised, I guess, ultimately to see them on the outside of the playoffs looking in. All right. So getting back to the Packers ranch here, I, I got to ask, what's your call? Who do you have win this game? I think it comes down to feeling like the Packers are strong where the Rams may be weak. And, and you know, weak is kind of a relative term. The Rams have an elite defense. They've got uh, playmakers at every level. Uh, but I think the Packers um, line up really well with, with where they are weak. Weaknesses against play action, weaknesses against receivers in the slot, weaknesses against tight end. Though there are all things the Packers do really, really well. Aaron Rodgers is quite literally the best quarterback in the league running play action this year. If the Packers can stick to that kind of game plan, I like their chances. I, I think they, they win, and I've, I've picked them to cover on Saturday. Do you think they've been relatively big then? Uh. I, I've said between 7 and 14 and leaning closer to 14, but you know I, I don't like to make score predictions for that reason because it's really <laughs> easy to end up with egg on your face. I just I pick against the spread because I'm required to, so that's that's why I picked that way. Well, I get you. I mean, we think back to the Rams-Jets game. No one saw that coming. No yeah, one. I, in, in the playoffs with the Packers, nothing surprises me. It wouldn't surprise me to see them win by 50. It wouldn't surprise me to see them get run off the field. In the Aaron Rodgers era, everything was everything can happen. Anything can happen. I was just just this week we did a, a look back at their big win in the playoffs in 2010 over the Falcons. Just the year prior, they had been they they had the highest scoring playoff game ever with the Arizona Cardinals, and they would have won, except on in in three of the last four plays, you had Aaron Rodgers miss a wide open Greg Jennings on what would have been the game winning touchdown in overtime. Two incomplete passes, and then Aaron Rodgers gets stripped sacked with a missed face mask call, and the Cardinals run the ball in for a touchdown. And that's how the game ended. None of it was surprising. That's just how the Packers are. They're either really, really good, or everything goes wrong at once. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? All right, John, can you let people know where they can find you and, and uh, follow the Packers from the roadside view? Absolutely. At the Power Sweep is where I release all my stuff for the Power Sweep, uh, the the website and podcast that I run. Uh, the podcast itself is called Blue 58. And we've got two episodes out today. Even if you are not interested in the Packers Rams game, we had a special edition podcast out today as well, taking back, taking a look back at that Packers playoff win from 2010. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter at J-O-N-M-E-E-R-D-I-N-K. Uh, that'll keep you up to date on all the stuff. And if you like just the most unusual Packers talk, that's where you find it. We just had a conversation the other day uh, with a specialty wine shop owner in the heart of Chiefs Company or co- country who loves the Packers. And I guess uh, I guess the podcast has a wine shop vibe, and I take that as a compliment. I mean, that should be absolutely, yeah. absolutely. fine wines, right? Yeah. All right, what goes so better with cheese. Well, ho- we're, on our end, we're hoping you're not eating cheese tomorrow. Okay. Well, that's that's a given. So I'm sorry so. to disappoint there. <laughs> All right. So, John, we look forward to seeing you again during the tour around the league. Thanks so much for calling the show. We really appreciate it. You bet. Have a great afternoon. Right. Take care. Well, historically, the Rams do have the disadvantage here. 
Warm weather teams do not play well on the East Coast during the playoffs. They don't play well in cold. Well, we're not on the East Coast, but we're in the Midwest, up in the middle of Wisconsin, Green Bay. It's going to be cold. It won't be as cold as it could be, that's for sure, but it's still a tough hill to climb for a warm weather team. It's you sh- That's just history. It's not like the Rams can't do it. It's just history. And let's see if they can. They have some positives. They have some things that work for them. The big thing will be Jared Goff. Can he get the ball out? Can he make some plays in the year? Cannot rely solely on the, on the running game. This Packer defense isn't great, but it's good enough. And with Mike Patton, by the way, who happens to be a very good coach. I know he didn't last out there in Cleveland as a head coach, but notice what notice what, what John said. Players went and talked with him, and he listened. That's what good coaches do. They listen. And I got to look at this game and go, it's an uphill climb for the Rams. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying they're going to lose. I'm saying it is an uphill climb. That's it. And let's see how it goes. Okay, so it's time for us to go for now. Just a short, real quick preview. Back later on after the game. Follow us on Twitter at TalkRams. On Facebook, find the Rams Talk Room or the Rams Talk Group. Okay, the Rams Talk Room. And also, don't forget me on Twitter at DC Pollard. You can find Mike at 1 23 We're out of here. Have a great one. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.